you. I'm going to uh, read the Bible reading three times, and uh, it's uh, no doubt on the screen as well. Uh, But it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And uh, these verses are so packed full of meaning and significance that sometimes we just need to slow down and let God's Word speak to us. And uh, so that's why I've decided to read it three times. It's only two verses. And so the first time round, I'm going to read it just as normal pace. The second time round, I'm going to pause. I'm going to read it more slowly and pause at the commas. And then the third time round, I'll read it again at uh, normal speed. And uh, I'll sort of emphasize certain phrases uh, of this reading. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray as we approach God's word. Lord, we approach your word in humility and obedience opening up ourselves to hear what you are saying to us through your words. Lord, help us by your Spirit to be those who are open to transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder how you would respond if I were to tell you that uh, this week you're going to be followed around. Wherever you go, you're going to have somebody with you looking over your shoulder. 
And the thing is, this person with you is going to be invisible to everybody else, but visible to you. They're going to be your friend this week. So wherever you go this week, whether that's to work or might be down to the pub, or it might be to a club, or it might be to the gym, it might be to a friend's for tea, it might be to the shopping center, it might be to the petrol station, wherever it is, you're going to be there and you're going to be watched by your friend who's invisible to everybody else. But the thing is, whenever it comes to a point when you've got to make a decision or you've got to respond or you're saying something to somebody else or you're reacting or you're thinking or whatever it is, your invisible friend's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, remember you're a Christian. Remember, you, your task is to respond now as a Christian. And how are you going to do that from a gospel perspective? How are you going to do that from a biblical perspective? So you're going to be in a queue this week. There's no doubt about it. You will be in a queue this week, somewhere along the line. How are you going to respond when someone just gets in front of you this week? When you were there, it happened to me this week, you were there and somebody just got in front of you. How are you going to respond as a Christian? Or how are you going to respond when you're in the bank and... There's a dispute between you and the bank and you're trying to work out what the right thing is. How are you going to react in that conversation with the bank manager or wherever it is? Or you're in a meeting, there's a meeting ahead of you, you know there's a meeting scheduled, two o'clock on Wednesday and you're nervous about that meeting and you're in the meeting. How are you going to respond in that conversation with your boss or your manager or your people you're working with? And, you, and again, your voice, this friend of yours says, remember you're a Christian. Now, don't worry, that's not going to happen. All right, the Holy Spirit is with you all the time. But in that respect, it's not, in that way, it's not going to happen. But that kind of gets us to the, towards the meaning of this, these couple of verses in Romans chapter 12. And uh, as I say, this is, this is Romans. This is one of the most densely packed, full of theology books that there is. And we, we're, we're going right through. We're going to get to, Romans chapter 12, and we're looking at verse 1 and verse 2, and the opening words of Romans chapter 12 are these. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. And so what Paul is doing, you see, is now about to apply all of that teaching of Romans chapters 1 through to 11. He's now going to apply that and say to them, therefore, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And so someone, a wit, once said, uh, was saying, once said that uh, when there's a therefore, you've got to work out what the therefore is there for. And the therefore is therefore us to hear what Paul is now going to apply and to help us to put into practice all of the stuff, all of that teaching, all of that amazing theology that he's just been putting out to them in chapters 1 to 11. And remember, he is the Apostle Paul. He is the chief teacher of the church. He's one of the chief teachers of the church alongside the other apostles. And he's carrying all that weight of authority as he says this appeal to the brethren, the brothers and sisters in Christ in that church in Rome. And he's, it's a heartfelt plea. Hear that. The, the, the words in the Greek really put it across better, but it's that urging, that pleading to the brothers, the brothers and sisters, to, to the brethren, sometimes it's called. And he's calling out to them. And his plea is what? His plea is that it'll be a sacrifice that's a living sacrifice. An ongoing sacrifice. Uh, not just an inward 
piety and inward contemplation on all of that amazing teaching that he's just been telling them about, but an outward application of it as well. And quite simply, he's saying to them, live a whole life of worship. Now, get the context here. Uh, who, who is he writing to? He's writing to those, uh, some of them are Jews, Jewish believers now who are, have become Christians or uh, Messianic Jews, if you like. And he's also talking to Gentiles. He's talking to a whole range of people who have gathered now into that church in Rome. And these people have got their own understanding of worship. They've got an, a background of worship. And some of them, of course, if they're, they're Jewish, they would have uh, worshipped God, maybe they've even gone to the temple in Jerusalem and they would have maybe seen the sacrifices going on in the temple. Uh, they would have understood the temple system, they'd have the sacrificial system, the offering system of, of the scriptures. They'd have all that in their minds. Uh, if they're Gentiles, well, who knows? They might have been uh, uh, worshippers of all sorts of pagan gods. And they would have gone to the different temples and, and been involved in other sacrificial systems. And Paul's message to them is now what he's going to talk about, true worship. What is true worship? And he talks about more than that. He talks about our living bodies being involved in that worship. And that, my friends, is, is really the bit that would have shocked them when they heard this read to them. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, an invitation to you. Have a look around. Have a look at each other. And I'm guessing you're seeing bodies. Is that right? You're seeing bodies, aren't you? Yeah. And, and bodies are amazing, aren't they? And yet also sometimes they get a bit worn out. <laughs> and they get a bit tired. Maybe a bit misshapen, I don't know. A bit fragile. And so bodies, you see, while they are extraordinary in one way, they're also quite ordinary. And so Paul is saying that that actually is what worship is about. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Wow. So what is he saying? What does he mean by this? What is worship? Let me give you three answers to that question. Firstly, worship is a response to God's mercy. That's the, that's the basis on which he puts his appeal out to them. The basis is God's mercy. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So that's what he's been talking about. If you want to go read it uh, next, in the next few days, that's fine. Read 1 to 11, chapters 1 to 11 of Romans, and that's all about God's mercy. All the way through, he's talking about how God has poured himself out to the world in mercy. And so then where, where you've got that idea, if you get that idea that God is merciful, then the response, the appropriate response, the right response, is therefore to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's the right response. If God is merciful... How do we respond? We offer ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. 
As you get that, as you see that, that's the God is a source of mercy and he's brought salvation to everyone. The, re- the right response is to give ourselves in to him in thanks and praise and wonder and awe. But he says, if you go back to Romans chapter 1 verse 12, he says that those who, are, who don't believe in God, those are the pagans, the godless, Romans chapter 1 verse 12, he says that one of the marks of the pagans is that they don't. They don't give thanks to God. They don't do that. And so Paul is saying our worship focuses our thankful hearts. Our worship focuses our thankful hearts. That's the first, the first reason or definition of worship, that it's a response to God's mercy. Secondly, he talks about worship involves our everyday life. The message version of this verse is, is wonderful. It's our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. That is our worship, our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And so again, Paul is stressing, he's emphasizing that worship isn't just an inward and a, 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 a private spiritual activity. He's talking about it being an everyday life activity. And, and you've probably heard, haven't you, about the sacred and secular divide? You've heard about this? Uh, 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 there's some things that are sacred, some things that are secular. Some things are holy, some things are not holy. But Paul says, well, there's no such thing. There is no divide. There is no sacred-secular divide because worship encompasses everything. Worship is about more than just this time in church. It's everything. Our whole lives. And so that's why we can worship God in the workplace as well, in the ch- as, well as in church. We, should, we can worship God in our relationships as well as our money. We can worship God in how we use our time. We can worship God in how we use our bodies. We can worship God in the way we help other people. We can worship God in the marketplace. We can worship God when we vote. We can worship God as we stand up for what is right and so on and so on. And it's all called a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, the, 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 the Hebrew, the Jewish believers would have got what he's saying now. Ah, he's talking about the, the, the way of the sacrificial, the sacrificial system. He's talking about Leviticus. It's that burnt offering, the sweet aroma that is presented to God through our sacrifices. But he's talking about our bodies. Submitting our bodies, presenting our bodies, and that's our mind as well, in service to God. It's not just what we do in church. It's not just a service in church. It's about everything. Worship involves our everyday life. So what is worship? Worship is a response to God's mercy. Worship involves our everyday life. And thirdly, lastly, worship needs to be shaped in a particular way. How does that work? Well, Paul then goes on to talk about our attitudes to the world outside, as it were. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And then tells us how to do that. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so much of this comes down to what are we feeding our mind with? What are we putting into our minds? 
And it's very much linked, our worship is very much linked with our mind life, our thought life. And again, consider the context. These people are in Rome. And Rome is full of gods. You've got temples, you've got, you've got altars, you've got this, you've got that. All sorts of ways you can worship these gods, these false gods, uh, the, the, the Roman Empire worships. And, and they're surrounded by these temple systems, these altars, these, these gods and demigods, all these other statues and all these other things. And so Paul says to them, you've got to train your mind to think differently. You've got to think differently to the way that the, the others around you are thinking. You've got to let God's Spirit shape your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, he says. And so constantly, we've got to be renewing our minds. There's a saying, isn't there? You are what you eat. Or you can take that with a, bit, a, a pinch of salt if you want to. But it, it's, a, it's a saying, isn't it? But it's, there's, a, there's truth in that, isn't it? What we ingest in our minds, we ingest spiritually. And so Paul says we need to be renewing our minds. It's a constant activity. It's not just a one-off thing you did about 20 years ago. It's a continual activity. Renew your minds, he says. Keep doing it. Now, there's a whole other sermon series on how you do that, but I've got to be brief. And one of the things I would say is be discerning. Be discerning. Paul talks about that earlier in Romans. He, he talks about prove what is good and what is acceptable. And what is in keeping with the perfect will of God? So he says in Romans chapter 8, if you want to study it later, that's good. Set your mind on what the Spirit desires. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 he says. What is good, what is acceptable, and the mind of the Spirit. And that will help you to work towards being part of Christ's kingdom. And building Christ's kingdom. If it's good, it will be in line with God's law. If it's acceptable, it's the right thing to invest time and resources and money. If it's the mind of the Spirit, it will be towards perfecting God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And one other verse you may just want to note, and you probably know it already, but it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Well-known, well, well-known verse. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, if anything has virtue or praise, consider these things. So our worship here on a Sunday is a tip of an iceberg. An iceberg that is made of 168 hours in the week. And so our worship involves our whole lives because it all matters. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Father God, we need your help to live like this. We need your help to live like this in our lives, each moment of the day, each moment we're awake, to live in a way that pleases you. 
to live in a way that gives glory to you, to live in a way that's different to those around us. Lord, we need your help. And Lord, you promise that you will help us as your Spirit comes, as your Spirit transforms us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song now called Christ Be My Waking, which talks about and encourages us to live a whole life of worship. Christ to be in everything that we do, everything we say in the coming week. And then after that, Debbie's going to come and lead us in a, a time of response just to help us to think about how we can offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice in the coming week. Over to you.